Let's pray for the word. Heavenly Father, your word is life. It's a light unto our feet. It's a, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we pray that you would bless your word. Pray that you would challenge us and encourage us through it this morning as we're walking through the book of Acts, that we would um, see the pattern of living that, you, that, uh, that was set for us by the early apostles, God. Um, we pray that the word would come alive to us this morning. Lord, uh, we desire to hear from you. We need to hear from you. We need to be empowered by you, Lord. So we pray that the, the word would feed us and empower us, encourage us, Lord, and we pray for an anointing, God. Let it be alive, living, and active, sharper than any two-edged sword in our lives, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Yeah, so Acts chapter 3. We, we got into the beginning of Acts chapter 3 a few weeks ago, so we're going to pick it up in verse 11. And... Not sure, how, you know, how far we'll go. I, we, we could really cover all the way through four, so we'll see. But we're going to start off with a couple of verses, and then we're going to be kind of doing a little survey of the chapter and, and picking out some, some uh, main points in here. Right, so if you remember what just happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we fir- covered the first part of Acts chapter 3, is that there was the, the man sitting there. He was over 40 years old. He'd been sitting there every day. He was lame. Didn't mean he was like, dude, that guy is lame. I mean, he was really lame, and he couldn't walk, and had been that way his whole life. And Peter and, and John came up, and, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, and, and did that whole thing. Hey, look at me. Silver and gold have we none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk and so that's what we're talking about so now in verse 11 it says is this lame man who had um who, who was healed he held on to peter and to john now it says that let me let me find it here with all the people he ran together on the porch let me go back actually a couple verses go back to verse 8 it said, so this right after he was healed, it says, So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. You know what that looks like? That looks like what was happening right here during service. Leaping and praising of God. That is, that is what happens when somebody is touched by God in such a way it's not just... You know, and of course, there's a personality thing in here. I mean, some people's personality have never leapt. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you might have never been a leaper. So don't feel bad if you're not a leaper. But if you've ever been a leaper in your life, then Jesus is, is a great reason to be a leaper, to be a praiser, to do something a little bit radical. You know, we always pick on the foot. I always pick on the football players. You know, as pastors do this a lot. You know, for those guys who they can go out to the football stadium and paint their belly blue and go crazy. You know, but when it comes to Jesus, like I'm a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and, and if you've got that in you to be excited about football or about a car, then, then I, I would hope that you'd be able to be excited about Jesus in an outward way. Now, now so again, some people, they're just, you know, I mean, they're just kind of excited inside. I remember Shannon's brother, she took him to this great concert. I mean, it was a Christian concert. It was loud. It was really moving, and everyone was dancing and just praising God. And, 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 and she looks over at him, and he's sitting there like this. She goes, are you having fun? And he goes, this is great. (laughs) 
So that might be you. That's okay. There's nothing wrong. God made you you. And if that's you, that's great. Leap inside, whatever it is. But this man was leaping and praising God. He's excited about that. And then we find, now this is the key for the beginning here. In, 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 in verse 11, the key that I want to point out. As a layman who was healed, he held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them. And so, and this, we're going to stop there and then we'll go to verse 12. But a second ago, he's leaping and praising, and now he's holding on to them. Can you do both at the same time? I don't think so. So I think what happened is he was leaping and praising God, and then he saw them, and he says, I'm going to hold on to them as they go in. Why? See, we read through things, we miss it. He was holding on to them because they had something that he needed. He was already healed, but he knew that there was more. They, he knew that these guys had the words of life. These guys had a connection with God that this man, 40 years old, had never experienced, though he was Jewish, though he was at the temple regularly, though he could probably hear the teachings from the temple. He could hear the worship. Maybe they would even take him at times, and of course, they would bring him, and he would be part of the Passover celebrations and and the festivals and all the things, the sacrifices. He was Jewish. He was part of all of this, and yet he... He didn't know God like Peter and John. And he says, I am not going to let these guys go. He didn't do it because, hold me up. This wasn't one of those fake uh, faith healings that, that unfortunately I've heard about where, where somebody comes up and they pray for them. They grab their, their, their crutches, hold them up, and this person stumbles off and falls. And that's happened, unfortunately. It wasn't one of these type of faith healings. This guy was healed and everybody knew it. And as you go further on and read in chapter 4, I mean, even the Sanhedrin's going, what can we say? This guy, was, he's healed. So this was a bona fide miracle, but he's holding on to Peter and John because he won't let him go. He doesn't want to get lost. He doesn't want to get separated from them because these guys have the words of life. They had a deeper, more profound way of knowing God than, than he had ever known before. Any, and anyone else he'd met. And of course, the proof was in the healing. So he was healed and he's like, I'm going to follow them. I'm not going to let them go. These guys were Jesus' disciples. They had walked with Jesus for three years. They'd spent time with him. They saw his miracles. They knew Jesus well. And this man knew that they had something. I want to speak to us today because do, do we have somebody in our life that we're looking to to say they have the words of life? They've got a relationship with God that's beyond mine. And I want to hold on to that. Do you have somebody in your life that you're being mentored by, that you're going to for help, for prayer, to grow in your walk? All of us should be having people in our life that we're going to. People that are, you know, even in, in the... Uh, in, in, the, in the secular world, if you want to be someone who says, find somebody doing what you want to do and hang out with them. Well, the same thing in our Christian walk. Find somebody who's serving God in a way that you want to serve God. Find somebody who knows God in a way that you want to know God and hang out with them. Become, in a sense, their disciple. Let them mentor you. Unfortunately, we're always hanging, so often, I shouldn't say always, we're hanging out with people that aren't taking us into the right spots. 
we're hanging on to people that are taking us into bad spots, into whether it's sin or just lack of faith or, or maybe you know, too, too negative or gossip or whatever. But we need to have somebody in our lives that we're holding on to that's going to take us deeper in Christ. And we need to be not ashamed of going, I am not going to let you go because I want to be like you. And you go, oh, no, we're only supposed to be like Jesus. That's been a false teaching in the church. We're supposed to be like Jesus. But Paul himself told the people, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Because we are always looking at people on this earth. And yes, we want to be Christ-like, but we, we tend to do a little bit better as we connect on to people that are going the same direction. Look at me. So, so is there somebody in your life that you're holding on to? And then the other question is, is there someone in your life that's holding on to you? And, and some of you can say, oh, well, I'm not, there's nothing in me that's worth hanging on to. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Then you're worth holding on to for someone else. We need to live in such a way that people would go, you've got something that I want. You've got something that I need. You know God in a way that I don't. And that you would understand that it is your job, it's my job to be taking people up with us. See, we're all, we're all on, this, on this walk together. And, there, and it's almost, you know, it's not, not that there are people that are better, but there are people that, that have learned more and come through trials that maybe we haven't. And really it should be this thing that we're all pulling somebody up with us and then getting pulled up. If we are going to climb a mountain together, somebody has to go first, but then they're going to help us up and then we're going to help the people behind us. And that's what the Christian walk should be. We should be holding on to somebody who's going where we want to go and helping us and then we should be holding on to somebody else and having them grow in their walk. Colossians 1.27, turn there with me. Colossians 1.27, it says, To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the riches of the glory and the mystery. And it says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. That verse should, should just scream out to us that we need to be that same as Paul, as the writer of Colossians here, is saying we preach Jesus who is the hope of glory. We teach every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's a tall order. How are we doing in presenting the people that we know perfect in Jesus? The relationships that you have, the relationships that I have, are you helping them to grow closer to Jesus Christ? One step closer. One step closer. As they move closer to the Lord, they find salvation and He perfects us. 2 Corinthians 4.7. 2 Corinthians 4.7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What is that? So we're going to stop there. What, what does that mean? A jar of clay, it's just an ordinary vessel. It's nothing special. It's, you know, it's just a pot. And some pots are, aren't, aren't made perfect. If you've, I've never tried to make a pot. In two weeks, we're going to have the Hands of the Potter ministry here, though. He's going to come and give the presentation and make, a, make something on the, on the spinning wheel again. And that's, that's a great scripture for that one. And so, you know, as he's, as he's on, as we're all being made, we're just a simple jar of clay. Nothing special. But it says, 
we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, it's not really you, it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. So therefore, it's not really you, it's Christ in you that is going to be living through you to bring people to Christ. But you have to be the willing vessel. I have to be the willing vessel. And and when we allow this treasure, you have a treasure inside of you. Let me let that sink in. You have a light, you have a treasure inside of you, and this treasure is not from you but it's inside of you. Let it shine. Let that treasure go out and do what treasure is supposed to be. I mean, they're supposed to, they're, they're supposed to shine. They're supposed to be brilliant. They're, they're of value. And it says that the, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. One of the things you don't see Peter and John saying when he grabbed on to them is like, oh no, don't touch us. We're not worthy. Just look to God. They, they said no. They, they said, yeah, hang on. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We're going to take you to Christ. Now, obviously, Christ was, was already risen. He says, we're going to help you to become a disciple because they knew what Jesus' last commands were. Go and make disciples. They were doing that. In fact, we find that in, in just a little while in chapter 3 and chapter 4 here that the new believers, Peter preaches another message, and the believers, the men, number 5,000, the church is growing. The church is growing. Let's go to verse 13 here in chapter 3. Who are you hanging on to? Who's hanging on to you? How are we doing this? How are we living our life? What else is Peter doing here? In verse 12, he he iterates that part again. And so he says, in verse 11, it says that they people became running to them because and they were greatly amazed. Peter saw it and he responded to the people. And he starts preaching this message. And he says, why do you marvel at this thing or why do you look intently at us as though by our own power, godliness, we had made this man walk? See, again, this is the treasure in earthen vessels, that the power is from God, it's not from us. They're simply saying, listen, this isn't about us. This guy was made well, not because of us, but because of Jesus. And he declares throughout this next chapter, Jesus, in the faith in the name of Jesus, that's what makes a difference. Look to Jesus. There's another thing that I saw in verse 12 here that is really, really cool. It says, when Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw the people beginning to flock to him. They were coming up and they were greatly amazed. And so what does he do? He begins to preach. He takes an opportunity, an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, we've all been taught by our parents and different people, don't miss an opportunity. In fact, that's how much of the advertising gets us, right? Your last chance, last opportunity to save 10%. I get emails like that all the time last chance to save 20 percent and the next week i get the same email from the company this is your last chance to save 20 percent right opportunities <laughs> peter is seeing an opportunity to preach the gospel but unfortunately for us opportunities don't always come with a big sign or a bulk mail postcard this is your last opportunity to sign up for health care this is your last opportunity we have to be looking for opportunities, and that's what Peter was doing. He saw an opportunity, he was looking for it, and he took it. Are we looking for opportunities to share our faith, to be a witness? 
God wants to, he gives us opportunities all the time. And I want to encourage you, begin to take those opportunities. Step into those opportunities where God is, is allowing you to be a voice for him, to be a witness for him, to be the hands of Jesus. It might be as simple as just telling somebody you'll pray for them or actually praying for them right in, there in the moment. It might be as simple as just offering a, an encouraging word to somebody. But, but I want to encourage us We've gotten away, I think the church has bought into a, a number of things that are probably not completely true. We bought into this thing that all we have to do is be nice to people and not share our faith. Not actually tell, tell them the reason. You know, as, as I, I've been challenged by this. I've been reading Acts. He's like, no, listen, this isn't us. See, if you're just nice to somebody, who gets the glory? You do. You get the glory because you're such a nice person. If you're nice in Jesus, then Jesus maybe gets a little bit more glory because maybe he's done something in your life to cause you to be nice. I think we need to start being a little bit more bold because I tell you what, the world is getting really bold. The world is getting bold. They are not ashamed of their message. And their message is, if it feels good, do it. Everything is okay. In fact, their message is, is craziness. I mean, I know all of us are scratching our heads saying, how did we get here? How, how is what's happening in the world? I believe one of the reasons we've sat back too long and we've bought into the political correctness and the nice, and I'm not saying we're supposed to be mean. I'm supposed to be saying we're supposed to be bold. Looking for opportunities not to share hatred. Jesus never shared hatred, but to share the truth of the hope that's found in Christ Jesus. He is the hope of glory. So I'm not talking about going in. In fact, if, if you're going to boycott Target, that's fine. But make sure you know why you're doing it. If it's about hating a transgender person, please don't. If you're going to be bold enough to go and talk to the manager at Target to tell them that you're not going to shop there anymore, I want to encourage you, do it in love. T t talk about the real reason. Th that poor manager, they're just following their rules. We need to be people of love, but that share the conviction of why you're doing it in love. So we're not supposed to be angry. And so what I think what we did is we kind of did a pendulum swing, and now we're afraid to even talk about Jesus at all. Look for an opportunity to share your faith. What makes you different than somebody else? Being nice? No, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he is the answer to the woes of the world. We are ripe for a revival, church. This world is ripe for a revival. I want to be part of that revival, seeking the face of God, because I believe people are going to come back to him as we lift him up, because this world is going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, it's, it's bad, but we have the words of truth. Amen. The message is Jesus, pure and simple. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you believe that? He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. It's not in me. It's in him. Anything that I have is only because I'm in him and he's in me and he's in you. And that should be making a difference in our lives. This is a, he's the healer. He's our deliverer. This isn't about religion. This isn't even about going to church with people. Church is just church if it's not full of Jesus' people. Church is just a building full of people singing songs. 
But when Christ is present, when Christ is alive in our lives, and we come together and we might invite somebody to church, they see Jesus. Otherwise, they just see some, you know, musicians. Oh, wow, they play good or they don't play well or whatever it is. And they hear, oh, that guy doesn't speak well or he does speak well. And that's, that's all they hear. But if they come and they see Jesus in you and they see Jesus in me and they feel the presence of God because Jesus is being lifted up and dwelling in our lives and being allowed to shine forth, that's when people get changed. Has he made a difference in your life? If he's made a difference in your life, then share that with other people. You know, we should be and we are. We're free from guilt and shame. We're gaining freedom from addictions. And this is what Peter's doing here. He's preaching. He says, and he just goes on. And 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 man, he does not mince words here. And I thought, okay, we need to pray for wisdom. We need to be wise in our preaching. But Peter says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. You denied the Holy One and the just, and you asked for a murder to be granted to you. You killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong. And he's like, you did it, you killed him, you're bad, blah, 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 blah. And we would go, I'd never say that. And here's maybe the issue. We don't say that. We don't preach boldly. We don't live boldly. And I'm going to step on all of our toes, including mine right now. When's the last time you led someone to Jesus? Oh. We've bought into hide Jesus under a bushel. Be nice to people. And if they ask what's under the little thing, you can go, Jesus. And I'm not saying all of us do that. I mean, some of, us, some of you live your life out just, in, and it's wonderful. But we, we, it's okay to be a little convicted. I always tell this to my kids. If, I, if, if this isn't true of your life, then I'm not talking to you, so it's okay. Pray for the poor soul that this is I'm talking to. Don't be offended. Because I honestly don't know how you, how you live your life. I know how I live my life, and sometimes I, I, I do this too much. I'm like, well, you know, I'm a pastor. Isn't that enough? That if you know I'm a pastor, it's enough Jesus, right? Am I sharing of faith enough? Peter is bold. He accuses everyone of killing this Jesus and thousands more come to faith. We live our life politically correct, not stepping on anyone's toes and don't have many salvations happening. Let's preach Christ, him crucified, him is the hope. Him is the way, the truth, and the life. Lift him up. The Bible says, Jesus himself says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He was lifted up on the cross for us. Now in verse 17, I'm thankful that Peter backs off a little bit. He says, Now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. And then in 18, and the rest of the couple, couple verses, we're not going to go too much further here. He, he says, but in all of that, God was in control. You read this? That's exactly what it says here. He says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that Christ would suffer, he's fulfilled it. In verse 19. So, you killed Jesus. He was the Christ. God sent him. God was never out of control. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make it really easy for you. This is Peter's message. 
repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. This is for us. This is the message we preach. This is a message for us to receive Christ, to look to him and realize that we, sometimes even like the Jews, deny Christ and we reject him. We choose Barabbas over Christ. Even us in this room sometimes. We choose the things that are going to make us feel better. The things that maybe don't uh, offend us. We choose the wrong things over Christ. But the opportunity is always there for us. No, choose Christ. Repent. Be converted. Let your mind be converted. Choose, to, choose the Lord. And then let times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. That's what we, we, we need to preach that message. Help people grow in their faith. And we need to grow in our own faith. In this beginning, just so many, chapter, so many verses, we're already seeing a, a, a message of, of discipleship and evangelism, helping one another, using your gifts, looking for opportunities. That's what Christ wants of us. Look for those opportunities. Come closer to the Lord. Repent. And realize that you have this treasure in a, in a jar of clay that the all-surpassing power is from Him. We need the power of God in our lives more and more and more and more. Be ready like Peter to preach that message. Not only does he preach it to the Jews, but in chapter 4, he preaches it to the leaders who can arrest him, who can do anything they want, and he just has boldness. Who are you holding on to? And who's holding on to you? Are we living that life of preaching the message of truth of Christ? Let's pray. God, your word brings challenge to me. I haven't taken a lot of opportunities in my life to, to preach when I should have preached maybe a stronger message. God, uh, help me to recognize opportunities and to take them, but to take them with wisdom. God, that uh, you would help me to know when to speak and when not to. Help us to know in this room the things that we should say, the things that we should do. As we would pray, pray this prayer for all of us, that we would take an opportunity to share our faith. And God, I pray that you would help us to reach out to somebody who's further along in their walk and say, I want to walk with you. Help me to grow in my faith. We would also take the time to look at somebody who needs to be taught and discipled. And we can fulfill the great commission to make disciples, becoming disciples ourselves. God, the world really is uh, lost. And there's a lot of craziness happening in our own nation, Lord. But I believe that you have never fallen off the throne. You're still in, in control. And though you might be allowing things to be happening in the negative, God, I pray that you'd help us to see opportunities through these things to be a witness for you, to share our faith, not to share anger, but to share the love of God, the grace of God, freedom from sin that's found in you. God, cause us to, to be your witnesses, cause us to be your disciples and make a difference in our 
in our city, in the places that we work, in our families. And it's got to all be through you. So fill us with your Holy Spirit to accomplish these things. And I speak against condemnation now in the name of Jesus for anyone who feels condemned. Father, we accept your challenge and your discipline, but we don't accept what the enemy would want to do and condemn. God, and then we thank you that as we do these things, times of refreshing will come from the Lord. We welcome your refreshing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.